0: Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Welcome from me, Ken Rundle, and Yara's agronomy operations manager, Natalie Wood. If ever a time defined the term volatile, it's 2022. International strife has driven prices crazy, whether fertiliser, energy or agricultural commodities, and meanwhile the climate has had a go at us too, with drought threatening not only this year's crops but next year's as well. When so much is out of the farmers' control, the only thing to do is concentrate on the issues more easily addressed. In particular, ensuring quality is the best it can be, whether that's management or farm output. That is the key, isn't it, Natalie?
1: Hi, Ken. Yeah, so, you know, we know that quality of inputs is important if you want to get quality outputs as well. Um, So we need to think about management decisions that bring in yield resilience rather than fragility. Um, And this can include a number of things. Um, For example, we need to minimise nutrient loss, um, minimise application costs, but also maximise application accuracy. And then all whilst having the environmental costs in mind too. Um, so having good quality inputs can address some of those risks um, without having to do a lot of work apart from product choice Um, so what we need to do really is managing the risk out rather than the risk in and I suppose we have
0: to take account of general factors I mean this season's woes we know about but we're looking forward to next season now and that means of course the spring and dry springs are becoming more common something to bear in mind
1: Yeah, we're seeing ever more extreme weather conditions and dry springs are more common than wet ones, really, when you look back at the data. Um, Dry weather in spring means that crops need to be even more resilient to cope with that lack of um, moisture. Um, And they need to have that good root system that's large enough and getting deep down into the soil enough to access the water further down that soil profile. Um, And crops get this resilience by maintaining that growth momentum once they start growing again in the spring, which we know can be at quite low temperatures, say five degrees for cereals and oilseed, you know, we don't want to stop that momentum. Therefore, what we want to do is use that first fertilizer application to give the crop the best chance of accessing the nutrients we can um, and applying it, you know, early on in the season um, and make sure that, you know, we've given the crop every chance we can. Um, We don't want to slow down anything at all. You know, this can affect the fertilizer choice as well, because it's not not all nitrogen based fertilizers are immediately plant available. Um, We know, obviously, nitrates are the most available form for plants um, to take up immediately without any conversions having to occur. Um, You know, so therefore ammonium nitrate based products provide immediately available nitrogen to the crop. Um, If we look at urea based fertilizers, for example, then they have to undergo a conversion in the soil before they become nitrates and therefore you know it's not immediately available to the crop um, and depending on soil conditions this can take six to eight weeks and therefore you know you can really be slowing down that crop's momentum which is really what we don't want to do at that vital time in the spring so if you are concerned you know about what the weather's going to be like come spring then ammonium nitrate fertilizer really are the, the product of choice because they're plants available
0: and as you mentioned, their data is important and you should be keeping, most farmers should be keeping records of both soil temperatures and air temperatures in each season. So they've got something to to think back on and to revert to when they're trying to make these decisions.
1: Yeah, and, and certainly looking at them, you know, at the time as well, um, always monitoring to see when they can, you know, when the crop starts growing and also getting out in the to the field and actually looking at the crop itself to determine whether it's growing.
0: Because each field will be different. Well, let's look a bit more closely at the key nutrients. I suppose nitrogen is the main one. And the trick now is getting the most out of what is an expensive input. I, that really means getting the husbandry right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've already mentioned timing, but timing really is important, especially that first application. Um, we've got long term trials work that we've conducted over a, a long time now, looking at the nitrogen rate trials that we do every year. Um, and we plot the response curve from the different rates of nitrogen and the best response and therefore where you're getting the best return on investment always comes from that first 40 to 50 kilos of nitrogen um, and it's that first chunk of nitrogen that's most efficient um, and from both long-term data and if we specifically look at the the season just gone um, we're getting say 32 kilos of grain per kilogram of nitrogen applied from that first 40 to 50 kilos and that equated to about to 1.6 tonnes per hectare increase in yield as well above the untreated plots. Um, As you get further up the curve, then the next 50 to 60 kilos isn't used by the plant quite so efficiently. So that's why you start to see a curve um, from nitrogen response trials. And that gives us, say, 15 to 25 kilos of grain per kilogram of nitrogen. So not quite as efficient there. And then obviously, as you go further up the rates, the higher rates, you know, you get even less response. So really, it's about making the most of that first 40 to 50 kilos where you can get that really good return on investment and timing is, you know, it's crucial for that. Um, And certainly, again, if we think back to quality, you don't want to run the risk of, you know, halting that application by putting on, say, a poorer quality product or something that's not going to be, you know, available once you require it.
0: And a plant like that is going to be more robust, more able to to deal with challenges as the season yeah. progresses
1: yeah it's all about that resilience that we want to build
0: well next comes pnk phosphate and potash they can be applied as compounds straights or in blends what are your tips there
1: um well we know there's a few things that affect the uptake of phosphate in soil particularly um, and temperature is you know a key factor there um, as i've mentioned before we want the crop to start growing and not falter at all in the spring um, and we want to make sure it puts on plenty of biomass because obviously that eventually equates to yield. Um, if the soils are cold and wet, um, which you know they mostly are coming out of winter, then phosphate availability can be quite low from the soil. Um, so this means that even if you've applied some in the autumn, the crop isn't really able to take it up because it's not available until the soils say get to over eight degrees Celsius. Um, you know, so if we want to keep the crop. Uh, you know, being able to access the P and K and we can't rely on it coming from the soil, then the only real way is putting a fresh application of, of P and K on in the spring, say around 35 to 50 kilograms. And this just ensures that the nutrients are available for when the crop starts to grow, you know, at those lower temperatures. Um, and independent trials show that, you know, a, f- a fresh application of P and K in the spring gives you about a 0.3 tonne per hectare, you'd increase. Um, so, you know, we've got the data to back back up that fresh spring application and it, you're not all you're also increasing the nutrient efficiency of everything else by not limiting the crop um you know we don't want any deficiencies because it's limiting the growth um i guess another consideration with all fertilizers is the spreader settings on your spreader um you know if you're using a blend you have to set up the spreader for the nitrogen aspect because that's you know the key part of of what you're applying but then this compromises the other nutrients that are in the blend because obviously they're different weights, sizes, densities, etc. So you're never going to get um, an even spread of those other nutrients because you've set it up for the nitrogen element. Um, and obviously this can bring in variation because you you know you're not spreading the PKS etc. as evenly as you are the nitrogen. And of course, that's where a compound fertilizer comes in because all the nutrients are in the same granule or prill. So the analysis that's on the bag is wherever that that prill or granule lands.
0: Now, if you've got your own kit, then checking your spreader settings can be done in the off, you know, during the winter. But yeah. it's also something to ask your contractor, particularly if he's moving around from one field to one farm to another with different things required. It is a, a yeah. key question to ask to make sure they have done it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And, you know, I've heard stories of peoples you know, they've bought a spreader and they've never changed the settings on it. So you can just imagine, you know, how inefficiently, you know, that's being applied. Um, You know, if we think of particularly the la- the landing site aspect of of the fertilizer if we're thinking of say a blend that's 20 10 just as an example you know there's half as much p and k as there is nitrogen in there so if you're spreading that there's going to be a lot less landing sites for the p and k than there is the nitrogen so you run the risk of having a deficient area even on a small scale you know plant to plant you can have deficiencies um, but, you know if you've got a compound it's it's spread evenly across so you don't get that kind of issue
0: as we've heard already, modern farming is all about juggling many issues. And one increasingly heavy item is the environment and regulation. You talked about urea earlier, and that's a product needing care under that those new circumstances.
1: Yeah, so you know, urea has environmental issues in the fact that it emits ammonia into the atmosphere, you know, and that's linked to both environmental and human health issues. Um, and this is why the government released the Clean Air Act, you know, a few years ago now. Um, And it's bringing in policies to try and reduce ammonia emissions from urea-based fertilisers. The problem with urea is the fact that it volatilizes. So, you know, once it undergoes the hydrolysis um, reaction, ammonia losses to the atmosphere occur. And, um, you know, that's made worse in certain weather conditions as well. So, you know, if we do have warm, moist conditions, and especially if there's a drying wind, it can increase that level of volatilization. you know, a lot. We do have urease inhibitors, of course, which can help reduce emissions from urea. But if we think of the levels um, of emissions from inhibited urea, they're still, you know, much higher than the emissions that you get from ammonium nitrate as a base level. So, you know, the easiest way to reduce ammonia emissions is to use an AN AN-based fertilizer.
0: And as we, we keep saying, I mean, a few years ago, this wouldn't have mattered an, at all, but now suddenly could become very much more relevant in terms of farming income and pressures on agriculture from regulators.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, everything's going that way. And what we don't want to get into the habit of is waiting until you're incentivized to do something before you care about, you know, the environmental issues. So if we can get on top of, you know, small switches that can can be done now, you know, we're already ahead of the game there.
0: Quality, as we said, means attention to detail. And while we've been looking ahead, there are still some measurements or testing tasks that can be carried out now, which will help with future planning, aren't there?
1: Yeah, so post-harvest is a time for soil sampling, of course. And, you know, if you've got grain still, then grain sampling as well. Any data really that you can gather from farm helps you make, you know, a more informed decision and therefore increase efficiency by applying only what's required and making sure it's at the, the correct timing as well. Um I'm not going to go into to grain analysis too much because our, our next podcast is covering that. But you know, people think why would I want to do that in hindsight? You know, it's too late. But actually that can help you make a, a better decision for your strategy for the coming season if you know that you were deficient in something in particular.
0: As you say, we'll deal with that in future. It's been short and sharp this time, Natalie, but what are the key things about focusing quality you want listeners to remember from this?
1: Yeah, so think about the potential issues that you could have in the spring in terms of weather and byproducts that can help minimise the risks. Uh, Remember that we want that small amount of fresh P&K in the spring, which is most easily and economically applied as an MPKS compound at that first application timing. Um, You know, Looking at applying straights might look more attractive, but you know fuel costs are horrendous now. So you've got to factor in those extra passes. So if you actually look at MPKS compound versus straights, you know it is more economically viable to go with the MPKS compound. Uh, Make sure you set up the spreader correctly for accurate and efficient use of your you know massive fertilizer investment. And finally, think of the environmental impact of your fertilizer choice as well. You know if we're thinking about ammonia emissions in particular.
0: Short and to the point from Natalie Wood, Yara's agronomy operations manager. Thank you. I'm Ken Rundle, and next time, as we've said, we'll be taking a closer look at analysing the data around grain crops. Join me in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, let's hope the weather doesn't create too many headaches for you. All the best. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.